Little did Jill know that by wholeheartedly welcoming a foster teen into her home, he would eventually complete her family, but also help heal her marriage. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. So we had three biological children and we thought our family was complete. And I will say in the back of my mind years ago, I always had this urge to foster or adopt. It wasn't really the right timing with my husband, although I had taken in other kids here and there. I have these kids that were known as the walkers and I would always pick them up and give them rides and feed them dinner and stuff like that. So that's just always been my heart is to help kids that are in need. There was a young woman who got pregnant in high school. She moved in with us for a small bit. So things like that had happened, but never anything permanent or that we even thought would be permanent. And truly, I'll just be real honest that my husband and I were struggling in our marriage at this point of whenever this situation came, that Hakeem came into our life. But my oldest son, Brandon, was volunteering with our church out at a boys' residential facility, and I'll call it the ranch. And that is where Brandon was volunteering there, and he would go out and he would spend some time on a Sunday night with some of these boys. And he got to meet Hakeem, and he learned a little bit about Hakeem, but he hadn't really shared anything with us about Hakeem. I didn't know who Hakeem was. And then one day, a few days before Christmas, he went out there to take some Christmas gifts. And one of my best friends, Kim, also went with Brandon because she knew Hakeem because she had him in school and her brother-in-law worked out there. And so they were going to go deliver some gifts. Well, when they got out there, there was a situation where Hakeem was pretty upset because they were telling him that he had to leave the ranch, which he had been at for a year and a half. And you're not supposed to be at the ranch for that long. But that was where he felt comfortable. He had some mentors in his life there that were really good to him and that would take him on the weekends and stuff like that. So he felt very safe and very good there. And previous to that, when he was taken out of the home of a family member, he was put into foster care. And so he was bounced around from place to place, house to house. And if you know anything about the foster system, you know, they're normally not in one place. They bounce around a lot. And so he had been in other residential facilities, too. And so he just didn't want to go back into that. So he was really upset whenever they told him that he would be going into a home that already had 11 children. And that's a problem in itself because we don't have enough good foster homes for kids to go into. And so Brandon just happened to be there and said, what if you could come stay with us for a little while? And in Brandon's mind, I really think he thought it would be just be like, oh, hey, what about a couple of weeks? You know, just come hang out with us. And Kim and Brandon both called me on the way home and they said something about, we've got something to tell you when we get home. And so they walked in the door and literally Brandon had tears streaming down his face. And he said, mom, there's a boy that needs our help and I'll help pay for my own college, whatever I have to do, but we should help him. And I was like, okay. And coming from him, this is the one I got pregnant with as a teenager. Like he's just been so wise beyond his years. And it just really meant a lot coming from him that he would even say that because he'd never been a fan of that before. So we talked about it as a family. And I remember cooking in the kitchen that night and the kids sitting at the bar and we just talked about what that would look like. And my husband and I talked about it like, hey, even if this doesn't work out between you and I, like it would be 50-50 custody because this is a decision we're making as a family, not something I'm just making. Looking back on it, I can just say it was a complete God thing because 
everybody was a unanimous yes. And it was something to where if we take in this child, it's a permanent thing. But none of us had ever even met Hakeem. And so we were making a decision about a child we'd never met. And yet we knew it was the right decision. But before we made that final decision that night, I had gone to get my hair done and somebody had shared a story with me about Hakeem. These different little things were adding up and I just think it's meant to be. And so the next day I went out to the ranch and I went to go meet Hakeem. And we giggle about it now because it was not love at first sight. <laughs> not at all, because he was mad about a bad haircut and he was having to leave and he was all in a tizzy. And I think it was just a lot of emotion. He knew that I was there to see him. You know, there had been multiple families that had come to see him and decided it was a no. These kids are constantly let down and it feels like rejection to them. And so I'm sure he had a lot of anxiousness whenever I came. And finally, I just said, do you want to come and stay with us? And he said, yes, ma'am. And I thought, oh boy, this is it. So this was, I think, three days before Christmas. And we went home and I started rearranging rooms because if he was coming to stay with us, it was permanent and he needed to have his own place. So I moved my oldest son upstairs and we took his room and just completely made it all about Hakeem. I went to Hobby Lobby and bought the letters to put his name on the wall. He had his own bed. He had his own comforter. He had his own dresser, all of that in that room. And it's one of the things that makes me emotional. But whenever he said that he got there that night, I remember just standing at the door and his back was to me and he was just looking all around the room. And he shared with me later, he said, I never had my own room before. I never had my own bed. I never had my name on the wall. I never had any of that. And he said it was very overwhelming at that moment to take all of that in. Wow. And how old was he at this time? 13. And how long had he been in the foster care system? Since he was about nine. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing I don't think a lot of people realize is that really after age nine, your chances of being adopted go extremely down, especially as a teenager. It's very challenging to find families that want to take in teenagers. We've had people on who have done foster and she's like, it's this whole long process, like fostered and adopt, but you make it sound so easy. How were you able to just bring him home? I'm telling you, it was totally a God thing, to be honest, because most people do have to go through all of that. But I will say this, when you're dealing with teenagers, it's not like dealing with young kids. And when there's a family that's willing to take a teenager, sometimes they will work the system a little bit differently to make sure that that teen has that place. They knew he needed to go somewhere. He was being let go out of the facility he was at and he needed to go somewhere. And the only option was this family that already had 11 children. So when we stood up and we have the housing for him and we had the means for him. And they knew that we could be placed as kinship because my son knew him. That made a difference. And they basically worked it to where we could go ahead and take him in and then start our process of fostering. Okay. So what was your process like? You were able to take him in right away, but what was the process like for you to foster? Then it's like a part-time job <laughs> because then you have to go through all this stuff to make sure your house is adequate, your water testing done. You've got to go through all the classes, all the schooling, all of that. So you've taken the child in, you already have the child in our situation. And then we're going through all of these processes to make sure that we're legalized to be able to be a foster home. And how long did that take you? Oh, months. Wow. So how long did you foster him before your next step? So he came to us when he was 13 and we did a full guardianship whenever he was 16. We didn't do anything ahead of that because we didn't expect to have him. So we hadn't saved up for college or anything like that. 
and legal things in the state of Missouri are different than other places. But if we waited until after he turned 16, he would get more help with college and for his future from the state that he wouldn't have got had we made it permanent before he turned 16. So we waited until after he turned 16. And we had to do the TPR, terminating the parental rights. And that takes time. Our court systems are not fast. That takes time. And so we were getting close to that mark anyway. And so we just decided to wait until after he turned 16. And at that point in time, he didn't want to change his name. We left all of that up to him. He got to make all of those choices. He didn't want to do anything like that. He was still very tied to his biological family. So we just left it at that. And I told him anytime that you want to change your name and you feel like that that's the right thing. If you want to hyphenate it, we'll do it anytime. It's not that big of a deal because I wanted him to feel good about it. And then after he turned 18, so a couple of years later, he actually did change his name to Wagner. And I thought he was going to hyphenate it. And he got in there and he said, no, I don't want to hyphenate it. And he made some comments that I was just like, okay, he's right. This is his decision. And this is what he wants. And he said that he felt like he was a Wagner from the very moment he walked in our door. And that's what he wanted to be. (laughs) I love that. So at 13, he bring him into your home. At 16, you adopt him? It was a guardianship. What's a guardianship? So in my mind, it's the same thing. (laughs) But because he didn't want to change his name, we couldn't do a full adoption per se, but we did the full guardianship. So he's ours. (laughs) He's ours forever. And so now he is officially a Wagner as well. I love that. So tell me a little bit about him. Well, he's fantastic. You can tell by the videos. He has a great sense of humor. He has a smile that just lights up a room and a laugh that does the same thing. And at the same time, he is a teenager. So I tell him all the time, like, it's a good thing you got a cute little smile because I'd like to knock those teeth in someday. (laughs) (laughs) But most of the time, very joyful. And whenever you think about the history that he has had and the path that he has had, to come out of that and to come into our family and to fit right in and to not have the fears that many people had. Like one of the things I always said was I will never bring a child in the same age as my daughter. At that moment, Tracy, I didn't even think about it. It was not in my mind. That's why I know it was a total God thing because it never even crossed my mind that that was even a fear. And they're a month apart, legit a month and a day apart. (laughs) Never say never either, because I get proved wrong on every time I say I'll never do something, but he's amazing. He came in and he connected with my kids immediately. And he even connected with my husband pretty quickly. It took him a while to connect with me, which was extremely hard for me because kids always connect with me. And it was really hard. It was really tough. And I will say that that was probably the hardest thing about it because Had I not gone into it with a permanent mindset a few months in, I would have wanted to be like, I'm done. I give up because he challenged me every day. And what I realize now looking back on it is that it was the women in his life that had let him down. And so there was a reason for that. And thankfully, I've had a lot of personal growth classes to teach me how to deal with things. And so I knew that fear showed up differently in different kids. And whenever he was lashing out at me or saying comments to me, I knew it was his own fear we had to deal with some of those things, but I can remember he would say things to me like, what if I do this? You're going to send me back. And he'd be sitting in the back seat of the car because he never rides in the front. He'd be sitting in the back seat of the car and he'd say, what if I do this? You're going to send me back. What if I do that? What if I do? And I remember I was on a ramp coming off an exit and I pulled the car over to the side and I turned around and I grabbed his little cheeks and I said, Hakeem, no matter what decision you make, you will have consequences, but you're never going back. You will be with us forever. 
And I think he just kind of let his guard down at that moment, like, okay. And after that, he would start to sit by me on the couch more and let me rub his back or let me scratch his head, play with his hair, whatever. And it just started to be more and more that I could see him letting his guard down. But it took months for me to prove to him that I was going to be different than the other people in his life that had let him down. So for me, I just feel like sometimes when you've been on both sides, you've been poor, you've been all these things, and then you have the opposite, that you tend to be a little bit more grateful. He is very grateful for things. He doesn't always show it, (laughs) but I know he is, and I know he is deep down. And yeah, I think that that had a piece of that. And he did just connect so well with my other kids. And I think a lot of that is a tribute to my other kids as well and how they treat me because he learned how to treat me by how my other kids treated me, which is really interesting because my oldest Brandon is like a sit down. Let's have a serious talk. Like, you know, just by his tone, whenever you haven't done something right, like how keen could have that with Brandon serious talks. And then Brent, my one that you see in a lot of the videos now, he's like, throw you on your back. You don't treat my mom like that. You know, so he had both types of brothers and then he had my daughter too. And he saw how protective her other brothers were of her. And he came in with that same attitude because he does have a biological sister as well. And he came in with that kind of attitude of protection with her. And they're so close in school. They're a great apart, but he really did get to see that. And he got to see how my other kids treated me and the respect that they gave. And he fell right in line with that. So does he still see anyone from his family? Not really, but a couple, it may have been two years ago now, his biological grandmother passed away and they happened to have the funeral in our hometown which was odd to me because they weren't really from here. And yet I think that was just totally another God thing as well, because they had the funeral here and somehow somebody got a hold of him to let him know that his grandmother had passed and that his biological mom would be in town. So we had a couple of weeks where we knew this was coming up and we went back and forth with it. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And he was really uneasy about going. And when it came down to it, I realized that he was really uneasy because he didn't know how they would treat me. And he was afraid for me, not for him. I told him I'm not confrontational. I'm going to love those people just like you love those people. We're going to go in there with love, Hakeem, like nothing else. So we wound up going. His grandma was a very strong woman in his life that he respected and loved. And so I thought it was good that he got to go to that. And he actually got to go to that and see some of the people from his past and hug them and forgive them, including his mom. He got to talk to her and He sobbed and he told her that he forgave her. I think he was 16 at the time when you have a 16 year old that can look at a biological mom and say, I forgive you. And I understand that you just weren't able to be the mom that you needed to be. Like, how amazing is that? Like, that's the kind of kid that he is. And he was so forgiving and he has no resentment. And yet in that situation, he was able to tell her that he loved her and that he forgave her. And also validate me at that same time, which made me feel so good as a mom to him that he let her know that he does have a mom that can be those things for him now. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. That's amazing. Most kids make everything about them, right? I remember being young and it's like anything goes wrong. You somehow blame yourself. You somehow did something wrong. You're somehow not lovable. But for him to be 16 and realize it wasn't about him, it was Mm -hmm. never about him. She was just not capable of Mm -hmm. taking care of him the way he deserved and needed to be taken care of. I think that's amazing. And I think that for sure will help with that healing and everything. Absolutely. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What for you has been the most challenging, but also the most rewarding going through all of this? Oh gosh, the most challenging, I would say people always said, you'll have the honeymoon stage at the beginning. (laughs) I don't feel like we ever had the honeymoon stage. Like he came in just like ready to test me from the beginning, which now knowing the past, I understand it because he had been in other homes that said they were going to keep him. And so I think he was just truly testing everything he could with me from the get-go to see how I would react and to see how bad can I be to get out of here the quickest, honestly. And so I think that testing period, he came straight in. And then probably one of the most challenging things is you take for granted the lifestyle that you grow up in and that you raise your kids in. And you take things for granted, like the expectations, the things that you may learn as a toddler that he did not learn because of not being with a family like ours. So now it's teaching some of those things over and over, but whenever you see them start to click in. And I think that one of the things through my personal development that I was able to do is not just verbalize, but also we made a list. Here's what I expect. Here's the consequences. So he knew exactly where he stood on a day-to-day basis. And that's still the situation today. He knows that if his grades are A, Bs, and Cs, he's fine. But if his grades fall below a D or to an F, that there's no electronics, there's no privileges until that grade is put back up. And it really gives him the expectation of what he has to have in order to be what we expect here. And he's fallen really good into that. That's been one of the most rewarding things is seeing how he can transition through that. What I really like about you and your son is how much grace y'all do give. Now I've seen you put your foot down. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Jill is amazing and kind and sweet and all the things. She truly is. But every mama has a mama bear in them. Absolutely. And I know that if someone crosses just a little too far, Mm -hmm. that you've got that in you. Absolutely. I've seen you be very stern and this is how it is. And this is how it is in my family. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you have that for sure. But I, Absolutely. Love, I just love the grace and the before just reacting, you think about it and you think about where that person was coming from. Yet on the flip side, you have no problem having a backbone. That's what I like. For me, mm-hmm. people who are kind with a backbone, just love that. You can be kind. And I think sometimes people see kindness as a weakness. And I'm like, oh, no. Don't take people's kindness for a weakness because (laughs) those people have backbones and stuff as well. And we'll put our feet down and dig our heels in and we'll be stern when it's needed, right? Absolutely. I'm not a very confrontational person, but at the same time, when it comes to my kiddos, like that mama bear, those claws come out. But I have learned of how to respond instead of react. 
What impact has bringing Hakeem into your home? What has that done to the other three children? What have they expressed to you? It's been really great because he fit right in from the beginning. He is like the missing piece out of our family. Like he fits perfectly. It's been so good because he brings so much joy and laughter into our life. And I think they also see different sides of things of how different kids live lives because my kid's life has been the same way all along. Not that they haven't had their own challenges. I don't mean that, but it's been pretty stable their entire life. And they get to see how other kids have lived. And now we get to volunteer and our whole family goes out to the ranch and we volunteer on those Sunday nights. And we get to be a part of that together so that they can see more of what Hakeem came from. And I think it gives us even more of an appreciation. Every single time I leave that ranch, I am amazed at how Hakeem can be so great as what he is because those kids live a really hard life. And for your three biological, did it make them a little bit more appreciative of their life, seeing the flip side and what other kids have to deal with? Have they said, oh my gosh, mom, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I don't think they've expressed it quite like that, but I know that they are grateful and they do a great job of just being appreciative of their dad and I each and every day. And I don't know that I was ever that appreciative as a kid. And so I really think it's great that they can express even the way that they do and show their appreciation. I know you had mentioned a few times that your marriage, lack of better terms, it was on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Do you think that bringing Hakeen in, did that help any of the healing of your marriage or did that have a role in where your marriage is now? Because I can only imagine bringing another child in to a, a marriage that's rocky would almost maybe put more stress, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It's very interesting because I have incredible kids and my husband is incredible too. Don't get me wrong. We went through a lot of rocky times there and he has overcome an addiction with alcohol and he is over eight years sober, which is an incredible thing for our family that contributed a lot to the stress. So he has overcome that. And that's truly by the grace of God that he has done that. But that happened right before getting Hakeem, that he was going through that struggle. So whenever Hakeem was brought into our life, it was still rocky because things just don't heal overnight. And yet my other kids had gotten to a point where they were so good in the fact that they were easier to raise, that I didn't feel like I needed my husband to raise my kids anymore, that I was pretty good at doing that on my own. And so when Hakeem came into our family, that was not the situation I needed. Brian, because like I said, he tested me, but he respected Brian, but he tested me. So I think God truly just used this amazing situation. Who would have ever thought that bringing another child into your home could have helped heal a marriage? And yet I think in ways it really did because I knew I needed Brian and I needed him to be that father figure for him. And I needed us to be on the same page. And one of the things I will always say about Brian and I is we may not have always been on the same page with some things, but with parenting, we were very consistent with our parenting and we always parented the exact same way and a lot of respect for each other throughout that. And so I knew I needed Brian in that situation. And as time went on, I think that those wounds could be healed. So I do think that Hakeem definitely contributed to maybe not in the best way, but also in the best way. He was testing me so much in the beginning. I needed that support from a spouse. Yeah, I love that. You married the man that got you pregnant when you were 17 and y'all are still together. That is still the man (laughs) that you are married to. Like that right there, Jill, is also not common and normal. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit of my story, and I know we talked about it. I I always got pregnant at 16. I had a kid at 16. Mm -hmm. 
And I was 16 or 17 when I married him. And that didn't work. Legally, it lasted a couple of years, but we weren't together for very long mm-hmm. at all. That tends to be, we don't have to dive into it, but what do you think? Because that is so not common. How are you still married to him? <laughs> I asked myself the same thing. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we joke about it because, you know, when you're 17 and 21, as we were at that time period, a lot of growth happens throughout almost 25 years of marriage. And you become almost different people. Like you grow into who you really are. And I think there's been different seasons of that in our life. I'm not going to lie. After things started to get rocky, I had developed a lot of resentment. And I'm sure that we talk about words a lot. A lot of this you learn through your experiences and words were said that were harsh both ways. And you learned how to deal with different situations. And I was one of those people who hid the things because I just wanted everybody to think I had this perfect marriage, that I wasn't true to what was really going on in my home. And I wasn't being true for years. It was just, I was young. This is how marriage is. And it was good. And we were having babies and the highs of having babies. And then we built a house. And it's like you live on this high of the next thing. It's kind of how I described it. When you have a baby, there's a lot of highs around that. And then it's the next baby and the next baby. And then it's building a house and having a new business and all of these things. And there's all these highs. And then whenever you get to the point where it's just life and you don't have those highs, that's when the reality sets in and you get to recognize what the issues are. And I was really good at hiding those issues. And it wasn't until later that I started going through all of this personal development and really turning my life to that way. And his life wasn't going in that same direction. And he was struggling with an addiction. And so I made choices at that point in time that I'm not proud of either. And we both had to come together as like a mutual ground of whenever I saw myself in the future, I saw myself having grandchildren with this man. Even though I hated him some days in that moment, I saw the future. And I will say that there was a time where we separated before we got Hakeem in our life. And I truly thought I would be divorced. I wanted nothing to do with this marriage. And I wanted nothing to do with that. And at that moment, he truly gave his life over to the Lord. And that addiction was lifted from him. And I kept thinking in myself how selfish I wanted to be because I just wanted nothing to do with him. But what if he could be now the man that I had prayed for for all these years and another woman was going to get the good man? <laughs> oh, uh-uh. not after all the work you put into that. <laughs> all this and then another woman's going to reap the benefits of that. And so there was part of that stubbornness in me too. And God was working in me too. And he's really broke down some of those walls. I'm not going to say things are perfect today because things are not perfect in any marriage. And yet you choose how you're going to work through that. But I would say it's been a battle and it's been a choice and it's been something that we have continually gone together. And I think that that God has just really blessed that in our marriage. Yeah. And I love that regardless of how bad it gets, you still just choose each other. Mm-hmm. There's this really cute quote that it's choose your love and love your choice. Mm. Right. And so you're, mm-hmm. you've chosen each other and you're choosing mm-hmm. to love that choice that you made, no matter how hard it gets. Mm-hmm. And that commitment, I know you use the word commitment, but like, I can tell that that commitment is there. And mm-hmm. I, you know, without going too much into the whole marriage stuff, but I think these days it's maybe not thought about marriage as the way it used to be. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just, it's, oh, it doesn't work out. We can just get a divorce. Right. 
And some people absolutely should, right? It's just for whatever reasons, when there's really, really hard abuse or certain things, you know, but, absolutely. but I think a lot of times there are things that can be worked through, but because people choose their ego and their pride that they don't, I do have a marriage book in me and everything. And I've already got the title of it. But it's really the theme is it's heart work over hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I am actually a big believer that marriage doesn't have to be hard because I don't think my marriage has ever felt that way in almost 19 years. Right. But I think that it can feel hard when you're doing the wrong work. So you're still doing the work, but it's the wrong work. And usually mm -hmm. that wrong work is selfishness, ego, pride. But when you're leading with your heart and you're doing heart work, you're thinking of the other person. You're being selfless in a, in a healthy way. Really believe that. And you guys, just your commitment and everything. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Marriage can be great without being perfect. Cause you're so right. <laughs> my marriage is not perfect, but I've got right. a great marriage. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And who wants a life in a marriage that never has any detours or bumps because you need the contrast mm -hmm. because honestly, that would be a boring life, a life that always went the way you thought it would go. I think you need a little bit of something there. I love that you said that. Cause I think that's a lesson in itself. Life didn't go the way you thought it would go. And yet it can be a beautiful thing. You said something like that, but I tell my kids all the time, just make the next decision because had I planned out my life from the beginning, I wouldn't have planned those struggles. And yet look at how those have blessed my life in different ways. And you just make the next decision, the next right decision for your life. And it all compounds into being this beautiful life that, that God can make into something beautiful. Yeah. And I think sometimes what we want for ourselves, we would be, it's good, but not always getting what we want. I think it makes life better, right? If yeah. life went the way we planned, it wouldn't be as great as the way it actually went. And I know there's, there's, that's can be a little bit more loaded, like how you respond and what you choose to do right. your struggle. There's more to that, but I never saw my life where it is now. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I would have gotten all the things that I wanted when I wanted it, I wouldn't be here. And I'm pretty happy with how my life is and where I'm at right now. I totally agree. I love that, though, that you have beaten the odds on so many things, Jill. So many things. Bringing a teen into your home and not having the typical issues yeah. that most people. Pregnant mom, marrying the man as a teen and still being together. So many things. I think it's beautiful. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's next for you and your family? What is going on in your life right now? We're like about to hit this empty nester stage and I would be lying if I didn't say it terrifies me. <laughs> 
because, and I'll just be real about that because I went from being a kid to having a kid. And whenever you do that, that's what you're completely wrapped up in as being a mom. And here we're about to enter into this transition of being empty nesters. And I don't know exactly what that will look like. I know the plans that my kids have, and I don't ever want to live their life. That's their life. And I have the freedom now to be able to go and visit them wherever they are and wherever they wind up. And I love that. And they still love to come over here and be a part of our family. And I think that I'll just try to incorporate more of that in vacations to do together. That's a huge thing that our family loves to do is vacation together as a big family. So those are things that I think I'll do. And maybe I'll go speaking more. I think I'll work more and go into business more and find things that I'm like, what is my content going to be on social media after my kids are gone? I think they'll still be here enough. But part of me is like, okay, am I going to have to start cooking? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I love it. And grandbaby should be in the near future, right? Few years yes, or something. I think in the next few years, we'll incorporate that. And that's the best. And don't be too afraid of being an empty nester. Because let me tell you, I went from four kids to two back to four. So somehow, sometimes they come right back. You know what I mean? Jill, you are just an amazing woman. I really do adore you. you and your energy and everything. And I know you put it all out there. But what does your story represent to you that you want other people to know? I just want people to know that there's a different way to live that being kind and giving grace, that's not something we always see in our world. And I think that that comes from my relationship with God. But I also think that people don't naturally give people that kind of a grace. And that is one of my things that I know that I'm a total screw up most of the time. And whenever I look at my life and how it started, the teenage pregnancy and all of this, I sat in church one day and I literally just boohooed. And I just thought, I'm so undeserving of this life that I get. And yet I'm so thankful because God has taken my biggest struggles, my biggest things where I felt like I total screw up and has changed it into something that is so beautiful. And I think that that's what I would want people to know too, is that what you think can be a mistake in your life can turn out to be something that is so incredibly beautiful and the hard parts of your life can turn out all of those struggles, God can use that pain for purpose and it can be changed into a better purpose, a different life and giving people that grace and showing people how love can be. I think what you are too, is you're a testament to other people that you can be a teen mom and all these things and have an incredible life, but it also takes work. You didn't just sit there <laughs> and do nothing. You took action and you didn't let those things hold you back. My dad said something to me whenever I got pregnant, and I'll never forget it because he died two years after I got pregnant of a massive heart attack. And so that's a whole nother piece of my story of grief that we really didn't dive into, but that is a huge piece of that. One of the things he said to me was, we will help you as long as you're helping yourself. And I have always taken that with anybody else. There's been other kids that we have taken in, not as something permanent, but even older kids that we've taken in that maybe have struggled with drug addiction and stuff like that. And that is something that I always say is, I will help you as long as you're helping yourself. There's so much truth to that. When my dad said that to me, I wanted to be the best I could be. And they gave me the support that they could give. And I think that that's what everybody deserves. If you're trying to be the best that you can do and you're really trying down that path, then you will have people that come around you and support you with that. And hopefully you will.
I agree. I'm like that with my kids. Like I've always told them, I won't do more for you than you do for yourself. I will match mm-hmm. your effort. And mm-hmm. if your effort is zero, because I'm not yeah. about enabling my kids. Like 100%. my husband and I have not been handed anything. We've worked for everything. We've, I mean, he's worked a full-time job, gone to school, had a demanding calling in our church with four babies and a needy wife. Mm-hmm. Like nothing was handed to that man mm-hmm. while I've worked three jobs supporting him in school before. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I, ju- but I appreciate everything that I have because mm-hmm. I've had to work for it. I love my kids are all good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, as well as I do, they can be bratting all the things uh-huh. at times. You're just like, mm, uh-uh, mama's not doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want a new car? I just got you that one. Oh, whose credit you're using? Cause you're not using mama's. Mm-hmm. How are you yeah. going to get, you know what I mean? Like, how are you going to get that? Our society needs that. You know, there are too many people that are enabling kids into not being successful, independent. What we want is for our kids to be successful and independent on their own. And I hold my kids to very high standards and I do it with their grades because you know what, out in the real world, if they're going to have some tough times, I do it with grades for my other kids. It was A's and B's for Hakeem. I've allowed a C. So that's just because of the history with him, but I know of what he's capable of. And I want to push him to that level each and every day. And that goes with rules in our home. That goes with rules at school. That goes with all of that. And I hold them to a very high standard. I even had one of the teachers come to me one day and say, you can't hold Hakeem to the same standard as you hold your other kids to. Oh, yes, I can. Because I want to raise a man that is successful out in this world. Even though he had a different background, he can still rise up to what I expect. And he does. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And something that people come to you a lot is on parenting advice, don't they? You get a lot of questions around that. They do. The main thing is how can I get my kids to want to spend time with me like your kids do? Get a TikTok account. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the main things. And I think that when you can have fun with your kids, when you can have that respect of being a parent from a young age, that's not something you start implementing in their teen. That's something you start implementing when they're young. And you build that respect, then when they're teens and they have that respect for you, you can have fun. You can joke. You can do all of that and still be a parent. Yeah. And I think that's the key word is fun. Mm-hmm. That's when my kids want to be with me is when we're having fun together. I didn't learn that until a lot later as a mom, but I definitely think, yes, I'm, I'm a parent first and foremost. That is just what I am is to be their parent. But if I can be their parent and be their friend and have fun, I think it's a good space to be in. 100%. They come to you when they're little. I give moms this advice all the time. When you don't want to listen because it doesn't mean anything to you whenever they're little, but they come to you with those little things and you listen and you make it a big deal to you because it's a big deal to them. I remember my husband saying something when our daughter went through a a breakup, like fifth grade or something. And he's like, oh gosh, that's the stupidest thing. And I'm like, (laughs) but it's a big deal to her. It's a big deal to her. And so we're making it a big deal to us. Because I know that if you can build that trust with them when they're young, they will come to you with those big things when they're older. And I have seen that happen in my children's life. And it's not always something that I'm okay with, but they feel okay to tell me and we can figure out the solution together. But your platform over on TikTok, and that's how we connected, you have 1.6 million followers. And really over there, you share, I think it's just your life, right? You share you as a mom, you share your kids, funny stuff, real stuff. Like there was one video that I'm prepping for this. Like I went and just watched a bunch of your videos and you're in the restroom just trying to pee, (laughs) right? 
And I actually haven't experienced it. I'm like, that's so funny that you're still experiencing, you know, when the kids are little and they're sticking their fingers under the door or they're knocking <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, leave me alone. I just want to pee your poop in silence. <laughs> and you have two of your children trying to like open the door and you're like, no, I'm peeing. And they're like, we don't care, mom. Open the door. We want to talk. And you're like, oh my gosh, just leave me alone. I'm trying to pee. <laughs> you share like such real stuff, but I feel like you do it with humor as well. I feel like there's a lot of humor in your videos, but there's just a lot of realness. What is having TikTok, having a platform there, has that or how has that changed your life or what has it done for you and your family? A few years back, I felt like I was meant for something more and I didn't really know about what that was and I had prayed about it and just like asking God, what is this? And the way that I think it was answered is just so natural and authentic because I never expected to go viral on TikTok. It's why my username is Jill Wagner 81. I mean, like it's not <laughs> something I plan to go viral with. And I really just did it because the kids had it. And I am that kind of mom that when my kids are a part of something, I want to be a part of it too. So when they were laughing at these trends and I didn't know what they were laughing about, I was like, show me. And then they'd show me and I'm like, I don't get it. And I didn't like the fact that I didn't get it. And so I wanted to put myself on TikTok to see what it was all about. And so we just started making some of those videos and that's how it started. And so I never really dreamed that it would be a place for me to share more of my story. And I do feel like that whenever you go through struggles, the way that you can help other people is by sharing those struggles. And so I started to put some of those struggles out there and I started to put situations in our life out there. And I noticed that that was getting a little bit of attention. And that's really how the platform has grown. And I'll say now it just, it makes me feel really good to have a voice that can go out to more people. And it's not about me. It's about what my story can do to help somebody else. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing about it. For people who want to follow you, it's really just a good pick me up and it's fun, but it's real. And that's mm -hmm. what I love. So where can people find you? Well, of course, on our TikTok, it's Jill Wagner 81. <laughs> then on Instagram, it's authentically Jill. And like I said, I didn't expect this. So I'm on different platforms, but I do have an authentically Jill Facebook page, but that's not really the one that has gone more viral. The one that's gone more viral on Facebook is even the Jill Seacrest Wagner one. And that's where you get to see my really day-to-day -day stuff of not just what's on TikTok and videos, but even the posts that I make and the, the pictures that I put out there and all of that that you don't get to see on TikTok is, I would say, my Facebook page. Yeah. Where do you spend most of your time? What platform? Between Facebook and TikTok. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. Yeah. I've been starting to upload things onto Reels on Facebook that I hadn't before. And that's seemed to get the interest of a lot of people. So it's been fun to kind of be back on Facebook in a different way than what I was before. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I love <laughs> it too. It's new to me and I've enjoyed being over there. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you feel like maybe I didn't ask or we didn't go over or that I left out that you want our listeners to know or any last minute thoughts that you have about everything? I just appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you and of course, getting to know you more. And I know that that's in our future of getting to become better friends along the way. I know that that's coming. So it's just been really great to be on here and get to share my story in a different way. You know, I'm always one to tell people to reach out. I try to check most every single one of my messages. If I can tell it's a thoughtful message, I try to respond to that. So they can always reach out. Well, thank you so much, Jill. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Jill beat the odds of teen pregnancy, teen marriage, and welcoming a foster teen into her home. 
And just like Jill, we also have the choice to allow our struggles to either define us or refine us. Struggles aren't the enemy. They are meant to help us grow into better humans. Sure, there are different kinds of struggles. Some are self-induced, some are induced by others, and some are just part of life. But regardless of the type of struggle, we will always get to choose the meaning they have in our life. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.